There are so many bad movies in the world, and there is only one podcast that truly captures them and truly makes them hilarious. You know how did this get made. It's one of the best podcasts out there. Paul Shear, June Diane Raphael, Jason Mantzoukas, sitting down with a celebrity guest and diving into a movie that's so bad, it is actually amazing. Past guests include Abby Jacobson, Alana Glazer, Adam Scott, Scott Aukerman, Kumail Nanjiani, and past movies include Time Cop. Time Cop's great. It's hilarious. Anyway, listen and subscribe to How Did This Get Made on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. You listen to the Crack Podcast, you use crack.com. For one thing, you're a cool person. Great job. For another thing, you're a person who uses the internet. Why don't you put yourself on the internet with a website. Squarespace has beautiful templates created by world-class designers that make it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website in just a few clicks. They have analytics to help you grow it. They have customer support to help you fix it. It's time you got a website already. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I am also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also letting you know up front that this week's episode is a human psychology episode. It is about the brain. It is about interesting things the brain does, and it's about that no matter what politics your brain might contain. And I mention politics because you... you You saw the title. The episode is also about President Donald Trump, our first president to be a full-on pathological liar. Not the normal kind of political liar or even the power-focused Nixon-type liar. Trump is the kind of person who needs to lie about everything. And this episode backs that statement up with a hell of a lot of examples. Here's my favorite. Politico did an exhaustive index of the significant lies Donald Trump told in the period from after Election Day to before Inauguration Day, and they found 82 major lies in those two months and change. In Trump's kind of defense, uh, some of the lies were repeats, and some of those 82 lies are truthful hyperbole. For example, he said twice that America's lost one-third of its manufacturing jobs since the start of NAFTA. The actual number Politico found is 27%. Also, I just said the term truthful hyperbole. I didn't make that up. That's from the book The Art of the Deal. When it describes it, it says, quote, It's an innocent form of exaggeration, and it's a very effective form of promotion. End quote. Also, according to The New Yorker, Donald Trump's ghostwriter invented that term while writing everything I just quoted. Trump later co-opted the term and took credit for coining it, which defines it. It's amazing. He lied about lying about lying, if that makes sense. Anyway, the most staggering thing to me about Donald Trump lying publicly 82 times between his election and his inauguration is that it is purposeless. He is no longer campaigning. He is not yet the president. All he has to do is pull a cabinet together and take naps. That's all we need. And Donald Trump rose above this no responsibilities to lie through his teeth for two months. I know I'm putting a fine point on the idea that the president is a pathological liar. Criticizing it is not the point of the episode. Oh, sure, sure. We criticize it. It's a great time. But the point of today's episode is your brain, along with every American's brain, because how do we psychologically respond 
to being lied to constantly? How do we handle the stress of any government removing our perceived sense of well-being? And most importantly, is Donald Trump a public health hazard? Is the way he has chosen to serve as president actively detrimental to our health and something that we should think about the effects of as we go through it? I've been thinking about that a lot. So have actual scientists. On this episode, we're going to be stitching together general psychological studies with actual Trump things because this phenomenon is new and so direct research of it is still in progress. But WBUR, which is an NPR station in Boston, WBUR did sit down with Dr. Philip Lewandowski, who is director of psychology at McLean Hospital, and they asked him directly in March if post-election stress disorder is a thing. Is that an actual disorder? And he had good news and bad news. The good news, the stress of living under Donald Trump is not a full-on disorder. Psychologists do not throw disorder around. That's an actual gnarly thing. The bad news, Dr. Lewandowski says it's fair to call this Trump stress a post-traumatic stress reaction. What does that mean? Well, he said, among other things, it's an assault on our sense of perceived control, which is our sense that we're in charge of our own lives and in control of our own environment. He also compared it to our reaction after seeing a car crash or after experiencing a major hurricane. And if I can tag one thing onto that as just some podcast guy, car crashes and hurricanes are not four years long and don't have a nuclear component. And I think that feeling is true of every American. Even if you are out there loving Donald Trump, even if you are out there working for Donald Trump, This has to be stressful, especially the working for him thing. The L.A. Times reported last week that multiple senior advisors made sure that Trump's United Nations speech would not contain references to North Korea being on a suicide mission or its leader being, quote, rocket man. And Trump went ahead and riffed that in there anyway. They took it out and he was like, it's going back in in the moment. So we all have a mental health issue to consider, and some people have it more than others, and I'm lucky to work with people doing incredible work examining this phenomenon. One of them is Cody Johnston. He's the host of Some News, which is Cracked's weekly video news show. It's a fantastic piece of funny journalism, and it's also becoming a weekly look at Cody mentally seeking refuge from the events he has to journalismize. He literally asks for that help in this moment from the episode a couple weeks ago. And if you haven't heard the news because you've been living under a rock for the last week, first of all, jealous. That rock sounds great. Where do you find that cool rock? Room for one more in your party rock? So Cody joins us on this episode along with a longtime cracked columnist, video game renaissance man, and all-around living legend, Sean Riley, better known by his moniker, Sean Baby. I've admired him from afar for a long time. I had literally never spoken to him until we taped this, and he just wrote one of my favorite cracked columns, maybe ever. It's called The Five Stupidest People on the Planet, parenthetical, are all Donald Trump. And it's about Trump, and also everyone, and also how we treat each other on Earth. Anyway, I've talked them up and talked about our nightmare president plenty. Let's get into it. Please sit back. Or continue doing whatever it is you do that helps you remain a balanced and awesome human. Anyway, enjoy this episode with Cody Johnston, Sean Baby, and human brains of all sizes. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Thank you guys for for joining up with me. You've both been doing a lot of intensive coverage of the current president, a guy named Donald Trump. And what a I, great guy. Like, let's, I don't want to interrupt, but like, oh how boy. lucky are we to have such a strong and 
wise commander in chief. I'm just going <laughs> to go over real briefly yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that he that may not be the done. greatest president, and he's also the current president. He's uh, one of the worst people I've ever heard uh, speak, and definitely the worst <laughs> president we have ever had uh, in this country. <laughs> yeah, I think so far I agree. He takes stupidity to like this level that that like a TV show would would not would not dare. You know what I mean? Like the things he says would be like used as punchlines in Arrested Development, but then like rejected by the writer's room. Like, nah, like let's not make it that blatant. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, we did we did a show briefly uh, called After the Trump that was like, just like the, every day the things he said are not acceptable. <laughs> like, right. no, that's too, that's too dumb. Nobody is yeah. that dumb. Nobody's that much of a liar. I really have enjoyed like this next layer of, of thing where where people will predict his stupidity. Like I can't wait to see the picture of Donald Trump staring at the solar eclipse. And then of course they have it. Or like when he did that Kofifi yeah. thing, he just falls asleep on the phone. We all knew exactly what happened, the poor fucking old man. But then they wake up and they're like, Oh no, that's a secret message. Some people know what that means. Like, are you fucking kidding me with this? It's <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> and insane. Yeah, just like Dumb, gullible people. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a cult. They're just in a cult, and they're, like, trying to rationalize the insane things that people who are paying attention can right. predict happen. Yeah. And I guess I can kind of relate to that, because, like, I remember being, like, 15 years old in high school, and, like, I don't think our basketball team ever committed a foul. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, I get that kind of stupid loyalty, but it's just, like, we're all grown-ups now, like... There's a lot there that I want to get into. I also I want to start us off with a brief game show. We're going to do a brief little game. You guys are the contestants. And we don't usually do games on the show, but there's a game that normally it would be called Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, I'm going to present you three Donald Trump lies. And your task is to figure out which of these is one I made up. So it's not it's not two truths uh-huh. and a lie. It's like two real lies. lies. Yeah. Are we trying to buzz in the fastest? Or are we taking turns? No, we'll go through all three of them, and then I'll just turn to each of you. There's no time element of it. We'll call it two real lies and a lie Alex made up. Now, lie number one. In early January, Donald Trump did a post-Golden Globes phone interview with the New York Times. In talking up the size of his upcoming inauguration, he said, quote, all the dress shops are sold out in Washington. It is hard to find a great dress for this inauguration, end quote. A Washingtonian magazine reporter looked into it and could not find one department store, resale shop, or rental service in D.C. that didn't have plenty of dresses in stock. Also, the Neiman Marcus in D.C.'s Chevy Chase neighborhood had literally thousands of gowns available for the event. Right on, right okay. on, right on. So Wait, that's. Are you telling me Washington Post has better researchers than our president, Donald Trump? I'm saying something called Washingtonian Magazine does, if this is a real lie, but we're going to find out. Uh, it's okay. a weekly in Washington. Are anyway. you saying that uh, Donald Trump says uh, things that are uh, provably, <laughs> provably false every single time? <laughs> I feel like there's a flow to the game show. Okay, okay. I feel like we're, we, have, we have more to come. Right. And, uh, like Cody, we're the worst guest we've ever had. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're going to win. Yeah. Uh, lie number two. Throughout the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s, Donald Trump pretended to be his own spokesman using the fake names John Miller and also John Barron, that's B-A-R-R-O-N, to spin his own life in phone calls with the press. 
Also, according to the Washington Post, Trump would occasionally slip out of speaking about himself in the third person and speak in the first person by accident during these calls. So that's that's potential lie number two. Okay, so we've got we got the dresses, we've got the the acting like your own press secretary for, for decades. Uh, for yeah, for parts of three decades. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. So here's here's number three that I might have made up. Donald Trump's butler told the New York Times a story about Trump giving Mar-a-Lago tours to important visitors. Trump would show them, among other things, Ivanka Trump's childhood room and say the nursery rhyme themed tiles on the walls of the room were handmade by Walt Disney. After the butler and Mar-a-Lago's staff historian told Trump that his Disney story was not true, Trump replied, who cares? <laughs> okay. So we've got the dresses, and we've got also the uh, being your own press person under a name, and we've also got the tiles made by Walt Disney that he knows is not true. Schmitty, I, I know that you're fucking with us because every single one of those things happened. You're a devious Correct. Bitch, All three of those are actual <laughs> lies by the president, uh, and that was uh, how the game went. Now, hang on. <laughs> I had a positive purpose to doing that, which is, among other things that we've studied with psychology, and by weave, I mean the wider world, among other psychological studies that have happened, one of them is by a Dartmouth professor named Brendan Nyhan, and according to his model, when we hear false things, especially about politics, our brain just takes them as true and also can't really be corrected. He did a study where they took some subjects and showed them mock news articles, and some of the articles just had lies in them, and other articles had lies with corrections printed into them. And not only did the corrections not help, but also the corrections would have a backfire effect and confirm the lie in people's minds. So there are other shows that I won't name that do news quizzes where there's some fake stuff and some true stuff. Yeah. It all just feels true to your brain psychologically. And then also the other reason I did the game that way is just a hilarious twist to me that they're all real. They're and all, they all happened. Because yeah. they're all... I did. I like that. Because like, they're all astonishingly bullshit and also I don't see the point to any of them. Right. They're useless. All yeah. three of them are useless. Yeah. You can just say like, <laughs> I decided to have these nice little things put in the room for my daughter because I'm a good father. Yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to say that Walt Disney did it. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> it is just constant. It's how it's his state of mind where it doesn't matter. It's the who, the who cares uh, really striking and perfect and exactly, of course, how he thinks. Yeah. Where he just says whatever. That's a lie. Who cares? I said it. <laughs> you, you heard me say it. End of sentence. That's it. I truly loved when he was faking being his own publicist. Like he would... He would make up like vague lies, like, oh yeah, all those ladies you talk about, oh yeah, they, they are always calling him to get a date. Like, doesn't name any name. The guy finally yeah. pins him down, like, what about Madonna? And Donald Trump is like, oh, he totally could have had Madonna. And then he has a story about how he like passed by her as some sort of a charity ball. Like, it was just the most, like, <laughs> like it's not like he had his finger near her or anything. Like, oh, dude, I was right there. If my buddy hadn't busted into our dorm room, I would have fucking finished you. <laughs> like, he just, he saw her at a party. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one specifically about him coming up with press people, for one thing, the incident of him accidentally slipping back into the first person was him talking oh. about how his client, Donald Trump, was attracted to Carla Bruni, who's a model and eventually became Nicolas Sarkozy's wife and the First Lady of France in, in the future. But he was talking about how 
Donald Trump saw her and was enraptured by her beauty and then accidentally slipped into just talking about how he thought she was beautiful. <sighs> and then like, oh, but I mean, Donald Trump thought she was beautiful. That's fucking perfect. This is everything with, um, with women, too. I mean, obviously, he's got a lot of issues with women. One of my favorite stories about him, because uh, he would always go out with these beautiful women in the city and, like, go to nice restaurants for the press, get pictures taken. Uh, there's a book, I can't remember what it's called, it's by all the reporters at the Washington Post, basically, after uh, the election. They wrote this, like, here's all the stuff we know about Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, and he would take women out to nice restaurants, get those photos taken, and then he would take them back to his place he would like leave her in the living room and then he would go upstairs to watch TV by himself with a bowl of candy. A bowl of candy? Yes. And that's just what he would do with a lot of these women. That's just perfect. Of course, of course he did. Of course he took women out to get their picture taken with him and then eat candy by himself upstairs in front of the TV. Yeah. I want to get granular about Trump's lies, but also as we've been talking just now, all three of us very easily casually Rolodexed a lot of Trump lies in a row. And there's ones we haven't even, like my absolute favorite one is his fake Civil War memorial at his Virginia golf course, where he claims that that spot on the Potomac became the river of blood. And three separate local historians all confirmed to Snopes that there wasn't a battle there. It's great. So good. What did he say? He said, there was a river there. And if you had to get across the river, you would have had to like come through this area. And I'm sure some people died in that fucking river. Like, <laughs> right, right. He's like, yeah, there, there, there were battles in the Civil War, obviously. And so there must have been a battle nearby somewhere. And so, yeah, there'd be blood in the river. I, I, I'd love to know from each of you, like, what is your routine day to day as far as consuming Trump news, which is basically the news now. So what's right. your how does your media diet work? What do you do just consuming news as a person? Uh, it's yeah. I'm I'm not healthy about it. I try to be better. Uh, and like this week, we're off the news, so we're not writing a fresh episode of some news this week. Well, and, and in case people haven't gotten to see it, what is some news? Some news is our weekly news show. Sometimes we take a week off. Like this week, we have a whole episode on Antifa that we filmed ahead of time, uh, just to sort of give that topic. But it's basically just sort of a way to digest the news in the frustrated way that we all experience it. It came out after the election, right? It came out after the yeah, election, yeah. Um, and it sort of developed over time. I didn't want it to be about Trump all the way. Right, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember that, too. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very hard, because uh, even things that don't have to do with him do have to do with him. And he makes it about him no matter what. So it's hard to separate him from that. And at the same time, sometimes there's a week where he just, like, goes to Harvey Relief and writes his name on the gym wall and you want to talk about it because it's fucking insane and stupid. I'm not even on I'm not even on top of that one. He signed his name on the wall at a gym during his Harvey Relief visit. Like it's it's, it's the act of a Batman. It made no sense. My only frame of reference for that kind of thing is comedy spaces where people sign the wall or the table after performing. Mm, their... It was not that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the president visiting Hurricane Relief. <laughs> But now, yeah, basketball team comes out. They all uh, they all kiss the uh, the signature on the wall. Things like that happen. You have to mention them because it's yeah. ridiculous. But more, it's just sort of describing the news in a way that I, you know I'm I'm a sarcastic, uh, smarmy kind of guy about some stuff. People try to contextualize the news a lot, and we try to do that too. But just sort of describing the news now is the joke, oftentimes. Yeah, and pointing to that and just being like, here's literally the thing that happened. And here's what this person said and what it has to do with this. 
Yeah. And that's and the, joke. the joke. That's it. I've yeah. just described reality to you. And I don't know what to do about that, but that's just true now. I mean, one of the most impressive things any president had ever done was look directly at the solar eclipse with an unprotected eye. Like, that was on TV by, like, like a leading political pundit. The entire morning, everyone's joking like he's going to do it. He's, you know he's going to do it. Yeah, and you okay. know yeah, also that that morning, so many people were like, Mr. President, just don't look at the sun. Like people are going to be watching. They're 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 going right. to use this photo of you looking at the sun because it's going to look dumb. So don't do it. <laughs> and so of course he does it twice. He does have NASA on the phone if he wants. Like I, yeah. that is a thing I, I keep remembering during his presidency <laughs> is that the president has the best access to information of anyone on the planet. Like there, there was another, a random uh, episode of the Kurt Vonnegut podcast we do sometimes where I got mixed up on what tidal locking is with planets. And it's understandable that I wouldn't necessarily yeah, know that know right away. Fine. He can just go find that out from the best person to find that out from if he wants to. You know, it's uh, very easy. That requires, well, if that sun uh, burns his eyes out, he can call NASA and just have him blow up the fucking sun. Like the, he has <laughs> that power. <laughs> Get rid of my new enemy, the sun. Yeah. When... <laughs> And Cody, with the reactions to the eclipse, when you say everybody's joking about it, are you referring to Twitter? Like, is that where you're finding Twitter mostly, the jokes? Yeah. Is that um, yeah, yeah? Because I, I, can't, I mean, I'm, I can't imagine uh, CNN's like our fucking idiot president's going to look at this stupid ass sun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're not doing bits. with his moron eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I that's I mean that's how, yeah sort of how I start my day a lot, which I'm trying to do less of. You want to wake up and you want to you know get a breath of fresh air, take your dog for a walk, uh, experience some joy. <laughs> And then yeah. find out what happened. Because also, one thing living in California, I, I also stay up late a lot. That's when I do a lot of writing, and I just enjoy being awake when everyone else is asleep. <laughs> but around 2 or 3, it's like, okay, it's bedtime. That's when the news starts again, because the president is waking up. Right, so because he's up at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Right. So tweeting. sometimes I'm like, all right, it's time to go to bed. Oh, no, the president just shit himself on Twitter <laughs> and is mad about it. <laughs> Or, yeah, so the announcement sort of start then, and then that's difficult to sort of, like, shut down. I hadn't even thought of it that way. I'm up then sometimes, too, but I hadn't even thought of it that way, that that's the cycle restarts by his personal decision. Right. Uh, And he gets, like, three hours of sleep a night. He's, you know, going to bed at one, tweeting about the NFL, waking up at four, and then doing it again. Because what else are you going to do when you're the president? That Learn? Also, when we were, <laughs> Have when intellectual I, curiosity? I don't know. When I was doing that fake game show earlier, the dresses quote about the dresses in Washington, that came from a late night call to a New York Times reporter that he made. He, he was just. Oh, that's up. right. Yeah. At, Sometimes he just calls people. The like, night of the and it was the night of the Golden Globes. He was just up after watching it, and so he called the New York Times because he was mad about Meryl Streep. It's a it's a it's a level of impulsiveness, and also media structure enabling it that we have never had in the country. Right. Like, it's objectively true that he's the second president to have Twitter during their presidency yeah. and is using it to be a nut. That's less objective. Part of me feels like he's kind of turning us all into him a little bit. Like he's making yeah. us, he's making us a little meaner on Twitter, and even like you see a lot of uh, fat jokes about him, and like the even the like he and s- sucking Vladimir Putin's dick and stuff like that, jokes that aren't necessarily like okay for anyone but him. Where it's like, well, you fucking suck, and you're a dick, and like we hate you, <laughs> so we're gonna be mean to you. Um, and even the discourse among other people is a little harsher. And then also like we're obsessed with our phones and the Twitter feed, uh, and he's sort of fueling this sleepless insanity that he has and injecting yeah. it into all of our lives a little bit. 
That makes total sense. Or we feel uh, like a little disjointed from reality. Yeah. Sean, do you feel the same way as far as how you're consuming him? Like, is it something that's always on your devices, always coming at you? Yeah, I mean, it's always coming at me. Um, I'm the same way. I'm up all night, uh, and I sort of wake up uh, maybe missing the initial thing, but then I'll see, like, the reactions to it on my feed, and I'll be like, oh, great, what are we going to do? And it always feels like I'm, like, digging to get to the path. Like, if I sleep past noon, I'm like, ah, like, the whole day is screwed. I'm just, I spend the first three hours just trying to figure out what the source of all these jokes was. I'm used to it now. I'm just, every day is a little research project to figure out what, what was the source of everyone making these uh, Harry Knowles comments, you know, whatever. From <laughs> oh, comments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Why That's... are we talking about Maggie Haberman and Nate Silver fighting? What's that about? What yeah. are they doing? <laughs> I'm going to leave those confusing to people who don't understand them because that is the experience, those mm. references. It, it's yeah. what it is being online right now. Also, like, don't look them up. They don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There's a phenomenon I'd really love to explore, and I don't have the qualifications to do it entirely, which is what is the mental health impact of Donald Trump as a president. I believe he is a public health hazard to the country, just the way he's operating. And it's the kind of thing where actual psychologists need to study it. But I feel like there's psychology we can draw on in trying to extrapolate what it might be. And one thing, when you talk to Cody, well, both of you really, about how we're sort of reacting to Trump in the way he expresses things and almost becoming like him, um, I think his lies are specifically making us have to think like him in a way that is degrading to us. And I think that because there's an article in Politico by Maria Konnikova that pointed me to a study by a psychologist named Daniel Gilbert. He was at UT Austin when he did it. He's at Harvard now. But he created a model in 1991 in how the brain handles lies, when we're lied to, what our brain does. And his model is that it's a two-step process in handling a lie and pushing it away. And the first step is you have to for no matter how brief of a moment, but you have to accept the lie as true. Mm -hmm. You have to take the information in the lie as a true thing in order to do the second step of pushing it away. And so with past presidents who would lie, but I think would tend to mostly lie positively, or if they lied negatively, it was just for campaigning purposes, we'd, we'd take a lie of like, I don't know, America's a shining city on a hill or some kind of... <laughs> I, I, that may even be true in many ways. But um, we'd take something relatively positive from them and be like, well, no, no, he's actually lying. But with Trump, we have to take just some awful thoughts about other human beings as true in order to then reject them, whether the human beings are Mexicans or Muslims in New Jersey or some other group of people that he said something horrible about. That brings up a good point about how, like, thinking about these people as other people, um, like the people who believe Donald Trump are like so cartoonishly stupid to me. Like they're so beneath my contempt. I can't like conceive of a world where we could get together and I could convince them of something. Like, like I imagine like 10 years ago, if I met like a conservative person and they're like, I want to shut down Planned Parenthood because of abortions. And I'm like, uh, they don't just do abortions, buddy. And I feel like that would be like, we're five minutes away from him at least understanding that Planned Parenthood isn't his enemy if, like, abortion is his enemy. And even if, like, that's a discussion we're having, like, uh, he's yeah. just against abortion because only God is allowed to, like, gleefully and pointlessly kill babies. I'd be like, dude, no woman wants to kill a baby. All these women getting abortions are making such tough decisions. And, like, we could have this, this talk where, where his idea of women just carelessly getting pregnant and then aborting the, the fetus it would be like, that doesn't exist. And 
you and I can now agree that what a reasonable thing is. I think that's just completely impossible now under Trump because that idiot's brain has been just just sucked out of his skull, and and now he's he's focused in on these political talking points. Like he he thinks I'm lying. We're never going to get anywhere. And I I think that's because of um, the political discourse that that we get to, where just everyone thinks everyone else is such a stupid idiot liar that there's no there's no more reasoning with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And that's I mean that's been happening more and more. Like yeah, that that conversation would have been at least mildly reasonable for a few minutes, uh, but. Sure. That divide has gotten worse and worse, and now the king of idiot moron liars is telling these people a certain thing. So there are, like, two filters. The filter's going on on one side of accepting the lie and sort of getting into his brain and, like, having a a struggle with reality. And then on the other side, there are these people who hear that and immediately believe it because they're kind of in a cult. And they believe everything he says, and then that shapes their worldview even more. So it's he's like a symptom of it that is making it worse and worse and worse and worse. There's a phrase on the right that I hear a lot of, like, uh, liberals have, like, Trump derangement syndrome. You know, there's a lot of outrage for a lot of things that Trump does and says all the time every day because he says outrageous things all the time every day. Yeah. Um, and some of it is, like, not something to get angry about or like at least something that is actually normal for the world. But when you view it through Trump, you get mad. There's a part of that I think is good where, like, this normal thing that presidents do that you're mad about because Trump did it, mm-hmm. you should be mad that presidents do that. Like, that's a bad thing that we have allowed right. in our systems t- right. to happen. But for the most part, there's, like, Trump derangement syndrome is just having a hard time reconciling the reality that we're being presented, which is not reality, and <laughs> the truth. Because you have to accept them, and you accept it as a lie, and then you reject it. And then for them, they have a new reality. So, like, Trump derangement syndrome is Trump being deranged <laughs> and us dealing with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, about, about the accepting of lies, I think that's uh, – I'm sure you guys write jokes for a living. So, like, a lot of what we do is we take what other people say and try to understand that and then, like, figure out what what's a good anchor and what's absurd – based on that anchor and like, hey, did that person say something that's so far from reality that it's absurd? You know what I mean? And uh, like, say, for example, you get like a hate mail and someone says like, hey, you suck and I hate you. A reasonable person might see that and say like, do I really suck? You know what I mean? And then you have to think about it like, yeah, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But like that phenomenon actually inspired that entire article I wrote that ended up being about Trump where like I went into some article, I read the hate mail and I was like, hmm, like these people all seem like crazy, not just because I'm so brilliant and perfect, but because, like, everyone who said I suck had these, these strange little, like, quirks. Mm-hmm. And so I started paying attention to these things, mm-hmm. and I just started categorizing them as the different types of stupid people. And I'm not the first person to do this. A lot of these things, you know, are heavily studied by neuroscientists. And, but then as I started writing the article, I'm like, Donald Trump is every single one of these, like, stupid things. And then, of course, it, it turned into what it was. It turns out I'm not much of a neuroscientist, but I think I, I, think I make decent dick jokes about Donald Trump. Yeah, you're pretty For close. Example, here's one. <laughs> It's very small. Ah, I get it. I get it. It's funny because it's true. It's funny and true. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you bring that article up because I, I, I do want to dive into that. It's a piece on Cracked. It's called The Five Stupidest People on the Planet, parenthetical, are all Donald Trump. It's very good. And it came out recently. And I'm interested to hear. So you said the genesis of it was reactions to something you wrote. It wasn't specifically Donald Trump is terrible and I'm going to work from there. Sure. Like 20 years I've been getting the occasional hate mail and I... I 
one of the things I do that I think might make me crazy is I, I try to consider each one of them. Maybe they're right. And that helps fuel my own insecurity, which helps fuel my comedy writing, whatever. For example, like um, I, w- I, I would keep getting letters from people who would explain to me something that everybody already knew. They would be like, that movie is actually a book. And I'm like, yeah, I know. The guy who titled the article called it the five best books, even though one of them is a movie. Like, we all know that, right? Like, you have to know that. Uh, you, I think they call him title guy. You know, you, you guys had to have had this happen yeah. where someone like nitpicks some word choice in the title. It's like, um, technically, blah, blah, blah. So. Right. And it doesn't change anything of the content. Yeah. Ch- changes nothing. Like, it's completely beside the point, And most people could tell that guy why the thing happened. There wasn't enough room in the title to say books and movies, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously. And that fits one of the categories in it, because I, I love the line toward the top of it. The cluelessly stupid are a diverse and colorful community, but most of them fall into one of five distinct categories. <laughs> and then you explicitly, very clearly lay out exactly what they are. And one of them that I think we're talking about is the technical genius, which is somebody who right. just right. finds one thing wrong in a grammatical way or a categorizing way or sure. some other really specific way. Yeah, like a classic smartass. But, and like to them, they feel like, well, I'm now smarter than my textbook because I found a typo, or I'm, I'm smarter than these people because I at least know Robocop 3 is a movie and not a TV show, like that idiot thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then to them, that's enough. They're like, I'm smarter than right. a guy smart enough to write a cracked article, at least, fucking idiot. I would also watch a RoboCop 3 TV show if they just specifically oh, made yeah. RoboCop 3 a show. I would totally watch that. That was the one with the ninja. And like that ninja was so great when RoboCop wasn't there. He was just flipping through fans and shit. And then he'd fight RoboCop and they would slowly circle for like 40 minutes. That movie is just RoboCop and a ninja looking at each other. <laughs> it's such a, he's such a gentleman fighter because he knows RoboCop is way too slow. He would just flip over RoboCop's head, cut him in half. So he's like... Yeah. I'll show you some respect. Level. Yeah. Yeah. Such a respectful ninja. You don't see that. <laughs> you really don't. You really don't. These days, especially. Oof. This political climate. <laughs> ninjas are dicks. There's an interesting element about that, uh, the technical genius, too, because all, all the things you sort of mention are ways to dismiss an entire, like, nuanced, complex mm-hmm. idea based off of one tiny thing that doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Uh, or not all, but, all, but a lot of them are. And it's one of his strongest tools now especially when it comes to, like, fake news, where you can point to an article and say, well, they they made a mistake here, or they didn't source this well enough, and then they make a correction. That's not fake news. That's that's, that's poor reporting. Meticulous news. Right. Right. It's it's like, it's it's all real, and this one element uh, wasn't perfect, so you can't dismiss the entire thing. Uh, It's just very frustrating to see, like, you just can't throw that around based off of like an article that you didn't like yeah right (laughs) when uh you mentioned some of the other categories of lies i want to we talked about one technical genius and the trump Mm -hmm. equivalent you pulled is his tweet about the tv show blackish and being very frustrated (laughs) that there is a show called blackish when everyone would be upset if there was a show created called whitish which I think misses the point right. that most TV shows are about white people, so that's why they're defining their show as happening as sure. black people right. being something like the noticeable about existence it. of the BET channel. Yeah, I could explain to a different person why that was a bad tweet. I couldn't. I couldn't get through to Donald Trump probably, but the idea that people say like, "Yo, all lives matter" instead of "Black Lives Matter," it's like, "Oh, dude, like, let's try to explain to you why that's a fucked up thing to say." 
But like yeah, technically, yeah. I mean, shouldn't all lives be more important than black lives? <laughs> you know, yeah, but you're skipping over racism. You skip. You just skipped past the fact that they have that. The thing you're saying, all lives matter. That's the goal. The point is that <laughs> right. it's not true right now. Right. <laughs> I want to run through all five of these categories of uh, people who are stupid and that are all one person. Um, we talked about the technical genius. Let's do. Uh, let's go to the keeper of common knowledge. Uh, I believe the Trump example is when he said he knows more about ISIS than military generals right. in the U.S. You can tell he lives in his imagination, and he hears ISIS, and he thinks like. How come nobody just like drops a nuke on ISIS? Like he doesn't understand that it's just like scattered people living in houses all over the goddamn area. You know what I mean? It's just it's more of a movement than just a right. clump of people in some barracks. You know? Yeah. And, and that's the only limit. Nukes are fine. Otherwise, you can just do it. Sure. There's no issue. Just go. Or, just go yeah, crazy. <laughs> we have them. Why not? They live near kids or whatever. Yeah. When what is what's a garden variety keeper of the common knowledge? What's like a normal version of that who is not the president? <laughs> that would be, for example, someone who has like just a really ordinary hobby. Like they rode horses when they were a kid. You were watching a movie about horses and they just like won't shut up about like obvious horse facts. Like, oh, you gotta make sure those shoes are changed every two years or like you're like, Well, yeah. How would anyone not have this horse knowledge? Like, well, I just grew up near a ranch. Can we get back to the fucking movie? One thing I see online a lot, I think people get criticized for leading into a point they're going to make with as a demographic characteristic of myself. And I, I don't think that is necessarily bad on its own. But when they finish it with an incredibly obvious thing that we all could have figured out, it's right. particularly obnoxious. <laughs> you get it a lot from like parents. You know, I, I have a new daughter. And my girl was pregnant. We'd go to a party and people would be like, oh, you're about to have a baby. Well, let me tell you something totally fucking obvious. <laughs> oh, you man. couldn't possibly not know from just watching three men and a baby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to lose sleep. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's got to be the worst as a soon-to-be parent. There's got to be so much, because so many people have been parents, and so they're just like, well, here you go. A thing I figured out is they like bottles or whatever. <laughs> you got to feed them a few times a day. I think parents is probably the greatest example. Like someone, everyone can relate to just the, the haughtiness of a parent being like, I've gone through this once or twice. I know. And the phrase, as a parent Sounds oh, like boy. very, very familiar. Like yeah. and that's yeah. and it yeah. makes you sound like that. It makes you go, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing follows as a parent, like that's gonna be brilliant. Right. As opposed oh, to like, we get ready. As an evolutionary biologist. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> right. I'm listening. Now yeah. a lot of that is from like personality disorders too. Like you'll get people who seem like they're kind of bragging about their hobbies. Like, dude, as a as a climber, as an avid climber, I know that like your arms get tired hanging from a ledge. You know what I mean? You're like, I think you brought. I think we all know that you only brought that up because you think mountain climbing is super interesting or whatever. Oh yeah. And that's that's another example of what what this kind of person might be in you. You use the boring fact just to point out the preface, like as a blank. Right. I wanted to let right. you know I'm a blank. <laughs> yeah. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. I work for a website. I know that's news to some of you. It's called crack.com. And there is a whole team of people making that website run, making that website populated with stuff, making it look cool. And if you want to have a website of your own, you might think, oh, where do I get that team? How do I do that? Squarespace can provide it. 
Also, everything is optimized right out of the box. If I want to make a new part of Cracked, I need to go talk to Simon or Tatiana or the other people who work here and are great that you should know. I have to go talk to them and work it out. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can just go on a Squarespace and it happens. They have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team that's there to help you. They have beautiful templates by actual designers that will make your website look nice. And they will have an easy point-and-click interface that lets you fill your website with whatever is the most you. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code CRACKED. Are you hiring for a job? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Let me tell you about something called ZipRecruiter, my friend. They are the way to post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. That's right, less than two. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else because unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate through the site within one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. You can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com cracked. That's ZipRecruiter.com cracked. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Cracked. There's another category you brought in in the article, which is the pure intellect untainted by expertise. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like this one because like, everyone sort of thinks that they have this outsider's knowledge of stuff they don't know. The American industry kind of promotes this, like 3M, like very famously just shifts around all the people like, oh, all, all you engineers, you're marketers now. And like, <laughs> they like how someone's outside perspective might like shake up that department. 3M, the duct tape yeah, people? Like, they really do that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Masking tape was a happy accident. These kind of people, they, they seem to think their, their lack of knowledge is somehow the most valuable kind of knowledge. And, and you see it in movies a lot. Like my, the example I used was Top Gun, where like Maverick's like, okay, check this out. I'm going to slam on the brakes. going to fly right by. And I'm like, what the fuck, Maverick? And I'm like, what, what else would those brakes be for? You know, like this, this is like literally the first thing I would think about if I was playing a Top Gun video game and there's a guy behind me. Just, I wouldn't even announce it. I just hit the brake button. Like they set it up so that the person watching the movie is like, dude, that's exactly what I would have done. I'd be a great jet fighter pilot. It's one of those things, Donald Trump, it's like his defining personality. I think, um, well, this is your guy, Kurt Vonnegut. He said something like, some people are such miserable assholes, they can't even conceive of someone who isn't a miserable asshole. Yes. It's like the idea that, like, learning something would fuck your game up. Like, I don't want to, like, go learn how to shoot a jump shot. I think I'd rather just use my natural beer pong abilities to be the best basketball player that will ever be. I haven't tested it yeah. yet, but I think that should work out. And you point to one of the strongest Trump examples of this being his approach to the wall overall, that he simply knows <laughs> yeah. we can build it. He knows we can build a wall yeah. across all of the different terrain and all of the different land ownership and all of the different yeah. just massive yeah. distance along the U.S.-Mexico border. It's so good. I love going through <laughs> his actual speech where he figures it out. 
is amazing. Yeah. I miss that speech <laughs> and like hearing you describe like, oh, and then he like realizes that rope exists. Because like every let's, day he let's like... Let's establish that speech specifically. Yeah, isn't, yeah. It, isn't it a thing where, remind me of exactly what he realizes as he's speaking? Yeah, like he, uh, he'll, he'll like, talk about the wall for too long that he'll accidentally realize that the person he was one minute ago was a fucking idiot. He'd be like, oh no, the, I guess ladders. Yeah, you can use a ladder to get on top of the wall and a rope to get down. I guess I just conquered a wall. And so sometimes he'll do that, like when he thinks about digging under a wall. He's like, he, he once thought of that. So he said, I'll just get like, you know, anti digging technology, which is not, <laughs> a, I mean, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds. I think there's a, a wall in Israel that has like seismic detection so you can't tunnel under it. But like, yeah. I don't think Donald Trump knew that. I think he's just like inventing magic wall devices. That, but again, yeah, the idea of having a wall that covers all of the southern border with not only seismic detectors, but the people to man those seismic detectors, it's just, it's so comically absurd. Someone yeah. could do yeah. this math on this, but it, it, why bother? Like, it will never happen. Like, because I think I'm seeing it in the column here. It was a speech November of last year. Trump explaining walls and says no one could get over it because there's no ladder going over there. Then he pauses, and in the pause, probably realizes that ladders exist. And so he says, if they ever get up there, they're in trouble because there's no way to get down. <laughs> no, then he adds, unless you maybe a rope. <laughs> so he, he in the process of talking, realizes you could use a ladder to go up the wall and use a rope to go back down the other side of the wall. What's so great is he already Amazing. got deep into this. The speech forgot about the ladder. Like you pull the fucking ladder up. Right, use the ladder to get down. Put it down. Yeah. Also that. I also love like the uh, the idea because he's like, oh, maybe a rope. No, man, definitely a rope. He's not even quick enough to arrive at like, well, definitely a rope would work. He's like, oh, maybe a rope. I'll have to think about it a little longer to figure out if a rope could definitely work. But I don't maybe. When someone said you need to be transparent about the wall, like he's so stupid, he just thought they meant it had to be see through. And then oh, his yes. brain started thinking, like, what? why would a wall need to be see-through? And he thought, oh, well, because drugs are getting launched over. And if you could, like, see the drug catapult, you could avoid getting in its splash zone. Like, and that all just came out of his mouth. Like, to me, that's, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And yeah. he, our president said it. And didn't, like, track it back. He didn't say, like, dude, I must have been really tired. What the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> He's, like, just moving on to the next dumb thing. Right, he just accepts the things he says is true and then just moves on. And it's so dumb, my closest analog to it is not from real life. It's in fiction. There's an episode of The Office where Michael Scott is telling the documentary crew about himself and Holly, and he tells them that, he reads a note to himself, I think, and he says, we are soup snakes. And that doesn't make any sense. But then in the next moment, Michael Scott's instinct is to start to explain why they are soup snakes and start to tell you why. And then after that realizes, oh, I misread the note. We're soulmates. We're not actually soup snakes. <laughs> but it's one of the funniest scenes ever because you see him start to just go ahead and do the work of that must be yeah. what I think, and I'm going to go ahead and explain it. Right, because he also like right. he's like, oh, I'm I'm like a dumb person, and so maybe this is the phrase that I've just never heard before. But I have to seem like I'm not a dumb person and yeah. explain it. Uh, <laughs> he really is the best. Ex- I keep thinking of examples like that. He really is Michael Scott, the president. Right. Uh, yeah. And like obviously the childlike nature of that character, but realizing the wall is a bad idea. Like he says it basically with every policy or legislation he's trying to get through, like the healthcare, like, well, who knew healthcare was so complicated? Everybody, right. dude. We everybody. Everybody. Right. That's why all the smart people haven't <laughs> been able to agree on how to do it yet. Like, <laughs> he thinks 
makes everything is so simple. And he, he made up a story once about like this motorcycle cop he met. Did you guys hear him talking about this? <laughs> no, I can't wait. He was talking about like this presidential motorcade and like he met the boss and you knew he was the boss because he talked like the boss. Like he's just making up this character in his head, right? Oh, and no. he says to the guy like, if I gave you full control, how long would it take for you to clean up these streets? And he said, two days. He thinks... <laughs> He thinks everything is just so simple that all it needs is someone to say go. Like, you just need to call up the motorcycle cop and be like, clean up the streets, you have my permission, whatever means necessary. And crime is gone in two days. Right. He thinks right. the country just needed a president to say, okay, do it. Oh. And, like, that's the solution. Because right. he, yeah. movie, he thinks movies are real. Well, the, the other fictional right. parallel I'm thinking of now is Happy Gilmore saying, oh, you can just hit it straight into the hole instead of putting. That's all you need to do. Right. skip those steps. He tells yeah. his coach, like, I don't need to get better at putting. I should just do the thing no one's thought to do and hit yeah. the ball directly into the hole from a long distance. Yeah. Do, yeah. It in like, like, do it in, like, one shot. Like, get the ball in the hole, like, after one, one shot. shot. Like, what, you'll call it, like, a one-shot holer or something like that. <laughs> Why didn't anybody else think of this? Yeah. yeah. That's the good name for it, the one-shot holer. That's what we'll call it. The one-shot really. holer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's two more categories in this piece. One of them is the determined fool, which I think also right. fits, cause especially about mistakes and being wrong. Yeah, well, this is actually was mainly inspired by the political stooges that, like, enable him, Who someone who's like, no, I'm a conservative, and then they just sort of root for whatever they decide that is or whatever someone tells them that is without, like, thinking about anything. And um, what, was it, what was it Donald Trump I used in this? this is, anything could really be this. I, I, I think the classic example, you remember that stupid asshole uh, from Utah, was his name, Jin Own Inhofe, whatever? Oh, uh, Oklahoma. Snowball to the Senate floor? Oklahoma, James Inhofe. Oh, snowball yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Right. Best, I got everything wrong. But yeah, this fucking idiot <laughs> brings a snowball. And he's like, look, there's no global warming because I have a snowball. And it's like, I mean, dude, you didn't, you straight up didn't even Google this. Like, you, you didn't even fucking read the first sentence of the first fucking Google match. Like, that's yeah. insane. Like, he's so sure that this thing he decided on 40 years ago was right, this, this whole, I'm a conservative and, and yeah. I'm not open to learning new things. Well, <laughs> and that, that example in particular, I feel like it's so perfect for this determined fool archetype because it's not just that James Inhofe thinks that about global warming, he's doing a performative thing to win a debate. Like he, it, This is a right. competition between worldviews, and he is in a debate space in the floor of Congress, God, he did that in Congress, <laughs> and just just processing that. Um, but he uh, he's in a performance space in two opposing parties, and so he's going to not just say that there's no such thing as global warming. He's going to prepare snow, bring it in a thermos or whatever, and then yeah, do yeah, a yeah. demonstrative toss to put the nail in this once and for all. Like this is going to be him pulling the sword out of the stone as far as winning this whole thing. Right. Exactly. That's good. Yeah, and that, that's a determined fool. That dude. If you told him that global warming's real, he's like, no, fuck you. I threw the snowball. You can still see some of the melty spots. I win. <laughs> right. I scraped some frost from the top of my old ice cream in the freezer, put it into a ball, and here it is. Look. Sean, in the column, you, you point out also it takes a lot of cognitive dissonance to maintain this kind of person because right. the Trump example is so sad. It's when he, after Charlottesville, <laughs> said that there was there were there was oh, violence right. on both sides. And I think you say in it that that just has to be the product of he's utterly convinced one side is right and, and not the side right. you hope. And so he just, through cognitive dissonance, decides that the one side ran people over with a car and the other side just must have done stuff, too. That just must be he what happened. Have, right. 
if you live mostly in your imagination and like from like Fox News clips, like you might be able to see like an Antifa guy like destroying a Starbucks and being like, yep, okay, that's what those people do. You know, that's the same as running over a woman with your car because you hate minorities, right? Sure. So but divorced it, from their ideology. Like, yeah. yeah. Such a surface understanding of the world and people. <laughs> and I think it's worth saying about with all this stuff, I feel like the mental health crisis of Donald Trump is affecting people who support him, too. It's affecting everybody because of just how for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that these kind of abstract problems have actual consequences. There's a study by Shigehiro Oishi, who's a professor at University of Virginia, and they studied wealth inequality in countries and how that relates to happiness. And they found that the thing you'd mostly expect, which is that if there's more wealth inequality, there's less happiness in the country. But a key thing sure. they found is that the negative link between those two things is not actually explained by the money directly. It's explained by people's perception of fairness and unfairness in the country and their perception of what direction society is heading in terms of these things. I feel like both sides of this country are getting incredibly negative news about how the country's being run. Either they're hearing Trump's doing a horrible job or they're hearing that a deep state is out to destroy our greatest president <laughs> or some crazy thing. But nobody, nobody's getting good news about the country, and that's awful for everybody, even if right. nothing's on fire necessarily in their own town or city. Right. Right. And the human brain is a very flexible organ. And if you, if you tell someone, hey, the country's being destroyed, it's so easy for a brain without even your knowledge to just sort of construct the things that must have happened to cause this thing that, that's happening. So if you think yeah. like you know, liberals are the cause, your brain will figure out why. Like, and we can watch Donald Trump's terrible brain do this often, where he, here's what I believe. I think that uh, there's bad people on both sides, and then his brain will just make that work. Like, that, I don't think that's a political move at all. He really thinks that. Yeah, I think most of the things that he does that we have a problem with aren't really political moves or his good, very good brain yeah. uh, doing the work. It's him just, like, being himself and being impulsive. But he's also, like, he's kind of like a weak-minded sort of, like, uh, easily influenced person while we are getting all this bad news on both sides and sort of uh, experiencing like things are bad every day and seemingly getting worse. Normally you have an adult who speaks for the whole country who says it's going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to be okay. We're doing this. We're doing this. I'm, I'm the, I'm the adult in the room, even if you're older than me or not, like there's, there's the adult in charge, but now the adult in charge is one of us and dumber and more childish <laughs> than a lot of us. So we have him fueling that to just an unprecedented degree that is seemingly exponentially making us uh, go slowly insane. Right. Like as a joke writer, this is frustrating for me because I do need that normal to like play off of, you know what I mean? Like I sort of expect a lot out of the readers. When I'm writing something, I expect someone to have the nuance to understand that if I'm talking about Guy Fieri game show where you're grabbing steamy dildos out of the air, I need you as the reader to know that's ridiculous and not like a liberal lie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, See, that's, and, that's like, the game show I should have done up top. <laughs> I blew it. I'm sorry, guys. And so I think that's what is frustrating for me is that there used to be, like with George W. Bush, like he was awful and he did a lot of lying himself and he seemed to have, you know, pretty, pretty evil political leanings. But like we all kind of knew right from wrong and we knew absurd from normal and jokes sort of made sense. Whereas now, like Cody said, you just sort of say what happened in the news and the joke's done. But like how long can that last? If we do this for 10 years, that's not going to be absurd anymore. That's just like sad. Even if we remember what normal used to be, 
it's still just the despair. There's this dystopian future where if nothing makes sense, everything does. You know what I mean? And then like he'll just be yeah. regular Alf Yankovic. <laughs> right. Yeah. The the normal world we know uh, is slowly <laughs> withering away. And uh, regular Al. Yeah. Uh, normal normal Al on his funny songs now. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be just normal songs. Is he just singing Black Hole Sun? Just like doing it? Just the, whole, just the regular <laughs> lyrics to sing the song. Soundgarden covers the whole time. <laughs> he's just written every hit. Like, right, he's the yeah. entire chair. Famous cover <laughs> artist, Weird Al Yankovic. I'm glad you bring up Bush, actually, because I think he's a particularly good uh, way to point to how different this is. Like, really recently, I think it was today or yesterday, Trump tweeted about how Puerto Rico is handling the terrible hurricanes that hit it <laughs> versus the terrible hurricanes that hit Texas and Florida. And he specifically argued that Texas and Florida are fine, he said, and he said Puerto Rico is not because they did a terrible job of their infrastructure and of their debt, and so that's why they're in worse shape. That is so different from what presidents told us before. Like, George W. Bush did not see Katrina happen and publicly tell people that New Orleans is bad at being a city, and that's why so many terrible things are happening to it. The lie was, we're doing a great job with Katrina. And then the rest of us in the public had to briefly think he was doing a great job with Katrina and then counter it. The lies with Trump are whole chunks of our country are terrible. And then we have to think that and then fight that. Yeah. It's awful. It's awful. He's, I mean, there's a whole other conversation to have about this, but he's like a a serial abuser. He's like an abusive sort of figure. Mm -hmm. And you hear stories, obviously, with his wife and his family and his employees and whatnot and the country. But things like that, they've gone through this tragedy and he's literally blaming the victim for their problem. He's saying this bad thing happened and it's their fault for defaulting on their loans or whatever he's saying. And that's disgusting. Right. Even for him. Even for him. Yeah. And it feels so purposeless because a natural disaster is kind of nobody's fault. You know, it's it's a horrible thing that happens and then we manage it well or not in advance and after, you know. It feels like there's no reason to spread such negativity about an act of God. You yeah. know? Like we see, we see terrible negativity in presidential campaigns for going back to the beginning of the country. That yeah. happened all the time. But I was trying to find like what's a close analog of a president during their presidency just being negative and it seemed kind of purposeless. And in 1979, Jimmy Carter gave a speech that has become called the malaise speech, even though he doesn't actually use the word malaise in it. Mm. But he did a speech uh, after being at, uh, I think it was Camp David for a week or two. And he came back and he was in a mood to just speak to the country. And he said that we are experiencing, quote, the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation and just said some other general things about, oh, we need to like pull ourselves together and stop being so negative. And it's widely seen as a disaster for his chances of getting reelected and having a presidency. Just saying that we're in a funk was like a horrible (laughs) national crisis of confidence uh, hearing that from the president. And now we have a president saying in his inauguration speech that there's carnage in the streets. It's not a it's not a normal situation we're in. Yeah, that's how he thinks he's going to if something bad happens, he's going to blame the thing for something else. And And as, as far as mental reactions to uh, inputs we'll just that's the segue now the last thing in your column sean uh, the last kind of fool you call it the untrickable and it's yes. i believe it's because just everything is a lie to them so they're never fooled yeah they have no concept of what is or isn't a scam but they know they don't want to get scammed so they just like everything is fake and i i think this is because when i'm on the internet the, the worst comment i see like when i think the dumbest person is the person who just writes fake in all caps under <laughs> things that are like 
obviously fake. You're like, this happened years ago. The first time I saw it might have been on Cracked, where our dear friend Katie Willard made this video where she's playing basketball, and she would, like, shoot the ball totally the fucking wrong direction, right? And then it cuts to the hoop, and it's, like, going in a perfect shot. And, like, one of the first comments was fake. (laughs) That's the joke, dude. Like, it's a fucking joke. And, like, I see this every time you see that comment. It's under, like, a click hole video or something. You're like, dude, how can you not enjoy jokes? Like, is the whole world just, like, out to trick you? And so that's, I think, like, a huge problem. And you'll see things like Alex Jones, I guess, is, like, the big stupid thing that comes from this, where, like, people just assume, say, example, 9-11 was an inside job, right? Like, that's a pretty big accusation. But then you start to look into it, and, like, people have worked so hard to make this obviously fake thing real. And so these people will do all this research into something that's very fabricated to deal with the fact that they think everything else is fabricated. It's just fucking nonsense. And so they'll just start answering questions with, like, oh, aliens did that, or ghosts did that, or the deep state did that, uh, which is probably not always right. You know, (laughs) sometimes maybe Um, because, yeah, I mean, they're like they're, you know, CIA operations of like deceit and uh, people infiltrating like protest groups and things like that. That's a thing that happens. But like, yeah, like you're saying, when you have one of the biggest examples of, yeah, 9-11 was an inside job or the moon landing was fake or we live on a flat earth when like the planet you're living on is a lie, then everything has to be a lie. Everything is a lie. They always pick the thing that is, like, so deliberately not the answer. Climate change, for instance. If you think climate change is fake, what the fuck? Why? Like, who did this? And then the answer to that is obviously crazy. And so now you believe this crazy thing, and you're sure of it, because you started with the premise that the other thing was a lie. And that you're so certain about that this crazy shit has to be real. Like, it's just by default, I guess. Right. And there, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a reasoning behind it that I still haven't grasped yet. It's like, specifically with climate change, mm-hmm. where you hear, like, climate change is a hoax. Uh, obviously, like, the president has tweeted that it's a hoax from China. But why? <laughs> because the goal, like, if you accept that climate change is real, then you have to say, okay, well, we need to protect ourselves from these natural disasters that are going to happen uh even stronger from now on and we need renewable energy and like everything should be solar all these things that are objectively good and better and will make progress better so like it's a hoax from people who want the world to be better and like i think i think i mentioned this in one of the episodes of some news where like if it is a hoax by the chinese it's working really well because they're hitting all their marks like four years early. Like they're doing great on solar power. Right. They're improving their country based off of this hoax. You mean like they trick themselves into going green? Right. They're yeah. they're going green now and they're doing all this stuff <laughs> to make things better. And so, yeah, I guess the hoax worked. Good point, Trump. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, the thing about this, the untrickable, is that it's really easy to plant the seed of genius into an idiot's head and say like, here's how the moon landing's fake. Do you see how when you take a picture, you can see where, like, the lens hits this. And, like, you give them this little bit of knowledge that feels like insider knowledge. Then you show them this picture that's like, aha, and now with your specialized knowledge of photo lenses, you can now <laughs> see that you haven't been tricked because you have this very exclusive knowledge. And, like, to them, they, they feel not only like they're an expert in this photo, you know, technique, but also so smart that they didn't get tricked by a thing that tricked everyone else. And that's such a great, warm feeling to feel not just smart, but smarter than everybody. And like, there you go. And then from there, it's just your brain will easily and elegantly warp everything so that everything you read 
fits into this narrow view of whether or not the moon landing was fake. Right. And that, yeah, that creates insanity. And then like the, the, the king of that is in charge. So the other side <laughs> yeah. of, of reality is also going a little bit insane from all of that lying that is yeah. accepted as true by more and more people. Yeah, it's right. He he gets to be up on the top of the pyramid, having the good feeling of feeling like he beat everybody. And then the rest of us are down below figuring it out. Right. We're just rolling with right. how that functions. Right, as a but place. it's maddening because like, no, you're wrong. Well, and Cody, when you talk about when you talk about bending reality, um, one of my favorite some news is, is the one you did about Sean Spicer. Uh, it's about many things, but Sean yeah. Spicer and on the Emmys. And you talk about how the country, it's starting to feel like a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It, why is it feeling like a TV show? Like we ta- kind of talked about this earlier where like it, yeah. it it seems unbelievable. And if you were in the writer's room for this show, you'd be like, that's that's ridiculous. No one would say that. <laughs> and if they did, no one would believe them. So right. the things that are happening seem more ridiculous. They also seem more dire because even though a lot of it is like, you know, differentiating like signal from noise and things that matter or like he's just saying some crazy thing the decisions seem very dire and very intense, like, and they're all packed together. In the normal days, uh, (laughs) something would happen, and you'd talk about it for like a week, week and a half. You'd be able to have a conversation about that one thing. But when that conversation starts, an hour later, another thing happens, and another thing happens. So it feels kind of like you're in this foggy show where just, like, things happen. And obviously our president is a reality show star, he spent a good portion of his adult life being a fake person. Like, you know, like he created, yeah. like he, he realized, oh, I'm a villain on this show. So like, that's what I'll be. And I'll perfect that. And yeah. I'll know how to get a reaction from people. I'll know how TV works. Even in the, uh, the debate uh, where he was like lurking behind Hillary, uh, he yeah. knows the camera's there. If I'm there, the camera's going to see me, so I'm going to stand here and I'm going to look menacing. Like, he understands how cameras work. He understands how people react to outrage. Like, in his announcement of Gorsuch, he made a fake contest. He was like, I'm going to announce it today. And earlier, he's like, it's down to this person or this person. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And the person that wasn't Gorsuch, I forget their name, was driving to D.C. for this announcement and of course, no, you're not being chosen. He knows who he's going to do. He's he's creating this theater for us all. Yeah. And so, like, because he's doing that, we're also accepting it. And now we talk about it like that. Like, in that week where Spicer was gone, and then Mooch was there for a day and a half, and then he was gone, <laughs> and he got rid of Ryan, all these people left. So now we're doing, like The Daily Show does, like, the celebrity a, pre- a president or the Survivor cover of, I think, maybe New York Post, where oh, yeah, sure. we talk about it like that. Because, like, three people got fired in a week. So we're crossing the people off the list. And everyone's a, a wacky character. And it just seems so unreal that the healthiest way it seems for a lot of people to talk about it is in that way. By talking about it like a show, you sort of separate yourself from the fact that it is reality. These yeah. people exist. They're not characters. They're not like schlubby little fellas like moving through the administration and then they get fired and so they go on the talk show circuit and get on Dancing with the Stars. Um, <laughs> but that's how we're treating them and that's how we'll, we're going to keep doing it. Like right. I, I imagine, like, yeah, Kellyanne Conway's probably going to be on one of these Dancing with the Stars shows. Oh, absolutely. You know? And yeah. like, that sucks. But we sort of created like our, our culture and our, all the systems we have sort of allow for that to happen. 
I read that she was going to be in an all ladies remake of uh, Tales from the Crypt. So that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> Because she's that. a talented actress. She's um, a talented actress. Well, and like you pointed out in the Some News episode, Cody, Sean Spicer went from being a character in this Trump administration to leaving, apologizing for nothing, and then getting to be a right. bit on the Emmys. Right. He just got to go ahead and do that. He got to do it. After zero arc. No change in yeah. a, as a person. We skipped all the all the good episodes where like he went through something and we got to see it and feel it and yeah. you know a, arrive at forgiving him if that's possible. Because even like when a show like think about like if a character like Michael on Lost dies, spoiler alert, uh, he then he goes on Kimmel and he goes on all these shows to like talk about it and talk about his character. Yeah, but that's not what this can be. We can't allow that to happen. <laughs> Because he's not playing a character, even though, like, the president is kind of playing a character. And how aware are you guys of Friday news dumps? Because I feel like Friday news dumps even function like a... It's like the show is every Friday night. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if listeners are familiar, but that's a process that I think was invented before the Trump administration. But it's something where an administration will release bad information to the public on Friday afternoon or Friday night. So most of the journalists have gone home for the weekend and it just doesn't get as much attention or we've gone off for the weekend as people and we don't notice it. Right. He's a tough character because uh, <laughs> that's, that's a thing that's always sort of happened and it's a tool that they use. But sometimes he's just dumb and impulsive and just doing it. Like there's a lot of talk. Yeah. Of like This is a distraction. No, he's just an idiot. Or this is a distraction. Yeah, it might be. Like the uh, transgender ban tweets that didn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, you look back, the news happened for a couple of weeks, and then you find out that morning was when Paul Manafort's house was raided. Big time. And that's the same morning, and it's quite possible that he saw that. I was like, oh, no, I got to like do something fucking crazy. Yeah. Or he's just like, this is pissing me off, so I'm going to do it. And it has nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know? I that think is... he does enough crazy things that we could call it a coincidence. You know what I mean? It's like he went for like three weeks without saying something crazy. It's like this crazy more or less every day. Right, right. It was you know? just a Tuesday morning or whatever. It's very stressful to have that feeling, especially if you're one of us and you follow the news a lot, to partly to make jokes about it and partly as humans. But I remember earlier in the process of, of Trump being the president, there was a day where they settled the Trump University case. Hmm. They did a settlement with the people suing them for running a fake university that defrauded people. And also Trump had explicitly said before that he'd never settle because he's not guilty. Right. So if you settled. settle, you're guilty. And so that happened. And then that same day, Mike Pence goes to Hamilton on Broadway and then has an altercation with the cast of Hamilton. And it's incredibly stressful to be a person seeing all that and thinking, is that skilled gamesmanship by the very successful host of The Apprentice? We should give him credit. He was an effective reality TV star. He was right. very good yeah. at it. Is that all gamesmanship by him, or is it just terrible things stacking up? Because the Mike Pence going to Hamilton thing is such a like distraction rabbit. I feel like it's yeah. such a oh look at me when like a rodeo clown when actually right. there's the settlement going on. Right, and like when yeah, like no, like yeah, they knew Mike Pence was going to go to the show, so they made an announcement probably. Um, but there right. is, and that goes into also yeah, the, like the TV aspect. We're like oh, this is the episode. Where he settles his case, yeah, and Mike Pence, the B plot, he goes to see Hamilton, and that's a that's a problem. Uh, so you, you pile on all these things because they're all happening at once, and it seems like there's a connection, and sometimes there is, and sometimes there's not. I would bet that Donald Trump has never done anything smart on purpose. I'm just guessing from his <laughs> sheer idiocy, 
<laughs> and and it seems like he doesn't know anyone smart. And so I don't think there's anyone whispering in his ear, hey, dude, go, make it really a does. about this Hamilton thing, <laughs> and it will distract from... I don't think so. He's so toxic and stupid that, like, the only people left in his life are just these garbage people. Like, when you see his doctor, you're like, what? What is this dude? <laughs> he wrote that, like, insane medical declare, declaration of how Donald Trump's strength is 7 out of 10. He can lift 400 pounds. Like, just a nonsense series of medical facts about him. And, like, he, he's hiring his caddies. He's hiring, like, his, his son-in-law is in charge of fucking everything. Like, he just doesn't know anybody except the last 11 or 12 people who he hasn't, like, ruined their lives or taken all their money. Right, yeah, because reasonable people wouldn't really associate with him, at least by right. now. And then, yeah, yeah you got, just got the dummies left. The doctor with a bunch of guns on his wall or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, even that, that doctor, I, it, it's been such a strange administration to watch happen that it, when I saw the doctor's picture, and I don't know if people at home have seen it, but he has crazy long hair and funky clothes. And in my head, I was like, is this like a distraction doctor? Like, did he <laughs> right. pick a doctor... Who could be in the future distracting from scandals or something? Unbelievable What's character. going on? That's your brain. That's your brain trying to create a pattern where yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's there's none there. He just has a weird doctor. Right. He just yeah. He that's who right. he is. He, he just has, has a, a weird, he has a weird doctor. doctor, and he yeah. knows dumb people uh, and scummy people. Because I, I do still go back and forth sometimes where it's like. Not even, not a planned thing, but just like, he found out this bad piece of news about him is going to run. So he like, he just lashed out. Not in a planned way of like, I'll distract them with this, but just like, me as a person, I'm angry, so I'm going to do something about it. It's not a game. It's not like a move. It's just him being himself. Even if he was like, okay, go, go to Hamilton and start a fight with the cast. <laughs> We've been shown so often that everybody around him and him, they're all so incompetent that if that was his plan, it wouldn't go well. Like if he said, yeah. go to Hamilton yeah, and start a fight, right. Pence would go on and like sing a number with them and it would go really well yeah. because nothing he'd goes be well a Jersey boy and he'd marry one of the cast members. Right. <laughs> Wait, how did I get here? What? Did I, did I do good, Donnie? Right. I, I resigned and now I'm on Broadway. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's like a stress dream or something. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> For like everybody in the administration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike Pence specifically. I am not a psychologist. I don't think we are as a public experiencing this full on disorder, but there's a disorder called depersonalization. And it's a disorder where on some level your brain starts to think that reality is made up and that you don't actually live in a real world. And in describing it, scientists have said that, uh, well, they've done studies with college students and found that brief episodes are common among young people. Like there'll be individual tiny moments where you just suddenly have a thought like the world isn't real, everyone's a robot, you know? But for roughly one to 2% of the population, that's a persistent thing and a distressing thing where they've described people as feeling like the world is made up or is a show or something like that. We aren't nationally experiencing a disorder as people, but I feel like there's elements of that feeling off balance in feeling like the president is running a big circus rather yeah. than actually running an administration or actually trying to govern the country. Yeah. Yeah. He, there's a documentary called Hypernormalization by, I want to say, Adam Curtis. It's a similar thing where, oh. like, enough systems that are kind of false are in place and enough time passes where like you accept the unreality in which you live. You're like, okay, well like the people in power are lying to us 
And like we know that they're lying to us. Yeah. And they know that we know that they're lying to us. And we know that they know that we know. Like everybody knows the right. game that we're all playing and that we're yeah. sort of stuck in. So we're already sort of experiencing that. And he is just the ultra version of it, sort of hitting the pedal on it. Yeah. And weirdly transparent about it. Right. Yeah. There's no. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> No hiding it with him, uh, and I don't. I don't like making everything about Putin and Russia because uh, obviously that's like there's a lot that's piled on, but there's a lot that's true. Uh, one of Putin's tactics with one of his who's it Vladimir Sirkov? Uh, Sirkov, yeah. Sirkov? Is that the nonlinear warfare? Guy? Yeah, nonlinear yeah. warfare. Where like you pay protesters, and like again, I don't want to get into the paid protesters thing, but this is like a literal thing. It's, that he, um, it's Vladislav Sirkov. Vladislav Sirkov. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and this is something he says he does. They'll get people to protest uh, against this, but they'll also support people who are doing the original protest. So, like, obviously the two sides are real and there are real people, but they also support both sides to sort of create this false reality. Yeah. And part of the tool is that they let you know. They don't fake it. They don't try to hide the fact that they're doing this. They literally say, like, yeah, we, we have people here. We have people here. We're letting everybody know that we are creating this false reality, which yeah. makes it even right. worse. <laughs> you're like, well, then then not only can I not know yeah. it's real, you know, you know, and you're telling me that yeah. I can't know it's real. And it's also new. It's such a new process to enact because there's a famous story about the Nixon administration where they would get up to – a kind of scheme they called rat fucking, mm-hmm. which is where they would, people working for the Nixon administration would do something bad in the name of their opponents and then just have that mm-hmm. thrown at the opponents as something that the opponent did. But the Nixon people would keep it super secret that they were doing that. Right. Because you don't tell people that you're rat fucking people. You just do it quietly. Right. Right. But now Putin is doing it openly in a way that creates that cognitive dissonance and that depersonalization right. kind of experience. Yeah, you lack control then because like... What do I do? I sit here and watch. Right. Yeah, that's a tool that now everyone can use. If you if something happens that you don't like from oh, your yeah. side, you'd be like, oh, well, someone else did it to make us look bad and vice versa. He's got to be the first president to explicitly endorse the idea that the other side has paid protesters, that yeah. there is a staff of people who are being paid by a parenthetical, parenthetical, parenthetical globalist to go out and <laughs> protest against them. In a way that is low-key racist and upfront, very, very cognitively disorienting. Right. And like, no, I mean, when he announced the Muslim ban, there's not like a a phone tree where like you just call the list of protesters that are going to get a check in the mail to drive to LAX to protest. Right. It's not like people care about stuff. Yeah, kind of like we said, the Trump administration isn't skilled enough to pull off some kind of skilled scheme. Like, no side is. Nobody's that good at anything. Right, and it just it divorces (laughs) reality. Like, the idea that people do care. People care about this stuff enough to do that. And just saying, like, paid protesters is so dismissive of, like, human beings as having any sort of belief (laughs) system. Which makes sense, because he doesn't really believe in anything. I don't want to get into too political here, but, like, I don't (laughs) think people go to conservative uh, protests very often. I think when Trump is like, let's do a rally for the Nazis, I think you don't get a whole lot of attendees. So it's hard for them to conceive of like people coming to a protest without being paid. You know what I mean? Really recently, there was uh, Milo Yiannopoulos tried to do a, some kind of speech at Berkeley recently mm-hmm. and drew about 50 people. Yeah. Which yeah, is right. uh, uh, less than other events. That's significantly less than <laughs> others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of things that are distressing, and I feel like let's also talk about 
what we can do as humans. I feel like also this show hopefully helps because I feel like awareness of this kind of stuff is just helpful. Like yeah. it's good to know how the brain works and what we're going to do. We're heroes. That's my point. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think a way people are reacting to this stuff is just completely shutting down. Andrew Sullivan had an article in New Yorker mag that cited a Monmouth poll and Monmouth is a university and they pulled people and found that She's among a lady from Star Wars. oh man star wars jokes are such a balm right now that feels so good what year is this i just healed (laughs) among those who currently approve of the president's job performance they found that 61 percent cannot see trump doing anything that would make them disapprove of him so 61 percent of them said there's literally nothing the president could do that would make them stop supporting him and then among those who currently disapprove of the president, 57% said there is nothing the president could do that would get them on board with the president. Hmm. And, into it. and also the president has alluded to that kind of thing when he said that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and his supporters would still back right. him. But ac- according to this poll, and obviously polls are small sample sizes, but a majority of supporters and a majority of opposers, which means a majority of Americans are done considering this. They've decided either this is the president for them or not the president for them. And that's where they're at. I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know if that's a healthy way to approach all of this terrible to news. Credit, we've had it for, what, like eight months now? I think it's fair. I think it would be pretty shocking yeah. if he turned out not to be a piece of shit. Right. At a certain age, you get to how you are. Yeah. <laughs> and he is how he is. And he's done the things that he's done for both sides. Like, no, this is who he is, and I like it, and this is who he is. And I can't imagine ever talking to this human and not being just, like, filled with rage. I think and, we might have talked ourselves into being on, like, the dumb side of that poll that was decided, but, you know. I mean, yeah, well, like, I mean, I imagine, like, what's, okay, what could he do? Because, I mean, I would like universal health care. I think that'd be great. I think, I do have a theory that I think we can trick him into doing it by the end of his term. Yeah. (laughs) I I think he's dumb enough where he'd be like, okay, if you like it, I'll do it. One of the things he can do, I think, is acknowledge everything he's done and apologize for it. Sure. And be honest about it and be better. And that's never going to happen because he is who he is and he has been for decades and decades and he is not the kind of person who would ever do that. So I can't imagine him doing anything that would make me like him because the one thing that I can imagine would make me start that path of forgiveness, he's incapable of doing it. Or at least right. he's, show, he's shown that he's incapable of it. Yeah. Um, like clinically. Yeah. Like he is like a he person. about his inability to do it. He said that uh, in an interview, this was decades ago, he said, like, he's perfect, so he doesn't have to, like, apologize yeah. for being wrong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. He thinks that's, like, his personality trait, that he's just never wrong. Yeah, and he's done, he's done enough things, you know? And it's different for everybody. Some are like, well, that was it. Like, my mom, I think, uh, it's when he was making fun of that reporter uh, with a disability. Uh. And she was like, I, I didn't like him, but now it's never, never, you know? There's yeah. certain yep. things. Acknowledging them and apologizing for them are how you start that path, and... There's, yeah. no, there's no like policy thing yeah, yeah. that would make me like him. There are policy things you can do where I will not like obsess over the news all the time and be worried about things. Yeah. Well, and I feel like you're saying he's set his policy on enough things that you disagree with enough that like there's just not a balance of other. If he switched all of his policies tomorrow, you know, like that right. would probably change it. But yeah, it would probably. But even then, I would know like you don't really mean it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because if he changes all of his policies, the person won't say why, and he won't say why his pol- his old policies were wrong. He won't do the things that a person should do, you know, to to believably actually change. 
this is a super fair argument as far as why people have shut down in terms of evaluating him that it may be his fault like it may be because he's been real on brand you know yeah um he's committed to who he is but <laughs> assuming he doesn't change assuming he doesn't help us out i feel like awareness of how our brain's handling him is one good strategy for coping with this i'm trying to think of other good strategies for rolling with the mental state that's being uh inflicted on us from the white house there may not be a great one, and I didn't uh, yeah, ask I you guys to prepare them. So, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if there's a great one. I've actually liked the <laughs> this is not normal movement. It's a little obnoxious and sort of cheesy, but like I really want people to try to maintain just some sort of anchor in reality as we go through this insanity. Enjoy yeah. it for the insanity it is and make jokes about how stupid and absurd it is. But like when it's done, we need to at least like kind of remember just like what our normal was. Whether we all have different ideas of what's right and wrong and, and, and shades of normal, but like we can't let this kind of wild chaos be any kind of a standard. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right on. Because, yeah, eventually eventually it will be over to a point. But then we've got a lot of work to do to fix the problems that he caused. Sure. Especially, like, sure. amongst amongst each other. Like, there's a group of people like that, however many percent of people who are his base, who will always be on board with that. Yeah. That's going to be a real difficult group of people to talk to. That's for so a long, true. long time. Because that same, that same article, they also, in a, a different poll, found that nearly 60% of all Americans find it stressful even to talk about Trump with someone who disagrees with them, either side. And it, sure. uh, that's a real feeling. It's yeah. very difficult because it's so, it's so, it feels so black and white either side. Oh, boy, right. Sorry. Um, but no, I mean, but like there is, uh, I guh I guess that's accidentally true. But it feels so undebatable it feels so set as to what it is good or bad right because we are we are all in our own realities and whenever i talk to a person that disagrees on trump the human (laughs) we're talking from two different dimensions basically yeah because we accept different things as being true and we accept different things about him and who he is and it's it's very stressful yeah. And as far as the health impact of that, loneliness in general has been found to be medically damaging. It's not good for people. In Googling one of many, many sources you could find, there's a New Republic article called The Lethality of Loneliness. And they say that a partial list of the physical diseases thought to be caused by loneliness would include Alzheimer's, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, neurodegenerative diseases, and even cancer. Because apparently tumors can metastasize faster in lonely people. Mm. Tumors know you're Metal lonely. I hope people hear this and think that if I go and connect with people, no matter how hard it is, that will be mm-hmm. that will help me and help them. Like it's a good deed and a good thing. Yeah, and let's do that. I've heard so many stories of friends who's like, I can't talk to my parents anymore about this. I can't talk to X and Y people who are close to you in life a year ago. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think trying to maintain those relationships as best you can is important because yeah, those are the. Those are the experiences and conversations that can affect people. Like, you can't do it online. Yeah, no. You know, that's just, you just can't do it. <laughs> but you can do it with people that you love in your life and you care about and that are, like, connected to you in those ways. So when you have those opportunities, obviously try to, like, not yell at each other and get really mad and let it sort of explode. But trying to reason and find common ground yeah. With those relationships, I think is important for later on when we have to do it with people outside of our circles. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It might help if the Trump supporters like were able to support him 
but also be able to recognize when he's saying something that's just gibberish. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be nice to say, like, if, he, if Trump said something and we're all making fun of how dumb it is, if, like, even the Trump supporters are like, yeah, that's gibberish, but he does hate the same minorities as me, so I still support him. Like, if they could just sort of caveat their support, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's yeah. More hate, less gibberish. Is, I think that's my point. Yeah, more hate, more hate, more hate. I don't even hate. know anymore. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's true because uh, there is that's that sort of speaks to uh, the two different realities that we're dealing with because you can talk to, I mean, it'll be a bad conversation, but you can talk to a person about their views on race and try to convince them of X or Y. You can have the conversation of why there's a show called Blackish and why a show called Whitish wouldn't right. make sense, but it's really, really difficult to hear the president say something objectively nonsense and have them still not acknowledge that. Today, President Trump said, you probably saw this, where someone said, hey, can we ask you a question about the travel ban? Did you see this? No, no. Oh, I'm very excited to get to read this to you then. Oh, boy. September September 27th, for those listening. And then the reporter says, on September 27th, first of all, can you explain to us why Sudan was removed? And second of all, how does the travel ban work in North Korea that doesn't allow their people out of the country? And Mr. President says, well, the people, yeah, the people allowed certain countries, but we can add countries very easily and we can take countries away. And then they follow up, what did Sudan do right? And he says, and as far as the travel ban is concerned, whatever it is, I want the toughest travel ban you can have. So I'll see you in Indiana. We're going to go over some more points that have not been talked about. Are you all going? Is everybody going? That is the kind of thing he says in in response yeah. to an entire country given permission or having that permission taken away of coming to America. Like, just everyone from Sudan is now allowed into America. They're like, how come? And he's like, gibberish, gibberish, nonsense, gibberish. And yeah. I hate him so much. I hated that so much. <laughs> when you read it transcribed, it's, you can't, it's like five times more insane than watching him talk. Like Absolutely. When it comes out of his mouth, it suits him. Yeah, I don't I don't do an impression of him on the show because if you say it like a normal human, it sounds absolutely insane. It's ridiculous words. <laughs> and I think think we can take comfort in that all of us, the rest of Americans on either side, are better at talking than that. Oh, so much better. Good right. job. I just wish a Trump supporter could hear that and say like, "Well, that's the fella in the administration don't know goddamn nothing about the travel ban, but whatever. I still support him." Right. He doesn't know shit about Sudan. Whatever the hell a Sudan is, he don't know. But Right, acknowledge that like you want those countries banned f- for whatever reason, but also say, like, well, clearly he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't get right. it. He's, he's he not a smart it. man, and he's not curious enough to find out. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Cody Johnston. My thanks to Sean Baby. And my thanks to you for being a gosh darn American patriot or foreign listener who we value equally. And there's no segment we value more than footnotes. This week, we link off to a lot of psychological studies, a lot of epic cataloging of lies. Also, Cody's show, Some News, Sean's column. And one extra link I want to throw in there is to a game that Sean built called Calculords. I don't know if you tried it. It is a math-based card game that is also an interstellar robot war, and it is astonishingly fun. I highly recommend it as a thing to do with your fingers while your ears are listening to podcasts, or just play it in general. It's really great. 
And speaking of podcasts, we have Cracked Movie Club going into John Carpenter month this October. We also have the end of season one of Crack Gets Perg and that whole subscription to our site. We're also excited about our next live show. We are back at UCB Sunset on October 14th at 7 p.m. We are doing a special kind of October horror Halloween spooky kind of show about monsters and specifically monsters that ought to have their own movie platform. Things from myths, things from urban legends, anything that deserves its own horror movie over the standard zombies and vampires and sharknados, you know, old traditions. Our panel for that live show is going to be Cracked Zone, David Christopher Bell, Cracked Zone, Brett Raider. Hey, he's here. And we'll also be joined by comedians Hallie Cantor, Greg Edwards, and Danielle Radford. I'm really excited about that panel and about that just overall experience of all of us getting together and coming up with reasons why the Bonacon, a Macedonian myth of a sort of bull creature that poops ferociously, that ought to have its own horror movie, and others should too. Tickets are available at UCB Sunset's website, and we'll also have a link to them in the footnotes. And you know what else is out there? We have t-shirts for this show. If you go to podswag.com, you can get merch from all your favorite Earwolf shows, but obviously this one's number one. And one of the shirts you can get is for this section, footnotes. And then we also have a shirt for the one and only Schmitty the Clam. Hey, that's me. Crazy. And as far as this episode you just heard goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered by Chris Souza. It was co-produced by Brett Rader. Find Brett at Brett R-A-D-E-R on Twitter. And if you love this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. The thing that will deliver us from this presidency by giving us... Let's check the old crystal ball notebook here. It says President Zuckerberg. Okay. Damn it. Well, okay, you can find me, a decent person, making a Sherman statement for 2020 right now. I'm not running. You can find me on Twitter under the name at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm happy to say we'll be back next week with more Cracked Podcasts. So how about that? Talk to you then. Alexander Graham Bell. I stole the idea for the telephone. Hey, people steal ideas all the time. Everywhere, even in the worlds of music and comedy. Stolen Idea is a punk rock musical set in these two worlds where theft can make or break a career. They're written by Matt Besser and Bobby Matthews. Produced by Brett Morris. Starring Matt Besser. Bobby Matthews, Virginia Matthews, John Gimberling, Mike Cassidy, Paul Rust, Scott Ackerman, Harris Whittles, Mike Still, Danielle Snyder, and James Adomian. Stolen Idea is only available on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash stolen. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.